Hey guys, welcome back to Simply Amazing. We got a fun episode today. Well, not not exactly fun. We're going to get to the fun. Um, with me today is Mitch Botanic. Uh, my buddy Mitch he used to write for Metsmerized. Um, if you guys are going back a few years, uh, he's currently uh, first pitch Mitch Monster Hits Break Club. We'll explain that too. But uh, on top of the uh, on the top of the docket today, we have the New York Mets at around 5 p.m. on Thursday, just about an hour before the first pitch with the uh, Marlins was scheduled for. Uh, news broke that there is a COVID case, two COVID cases in the Mets organization, a player uh, and a staff member. So the Mets are currently on pause, as we are all uh, very used to being on. But we'll get to that in a second. Mitch, thanks so much for coming on. How's it going, my man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here. I wish it was under uh, better uh, pretenses, you know, hearing about the COVID news like literally 15 minutes before we jumped on. Um, but yeah, happy to be here. Uh, looking to talk some Mets, have some fun, talk some cards. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Yeah. This has been in the works for, for a while. Just turns out that, uh, like you said, a few minutes before we're supposed to start recording, uh, we have, we have top news. We have some breaking news. So, yeah. all right. So first things first, um, the Mets have been playing well. They won three in a row. They're two and a half games back with about, little under three dozen games left, certainly within striking distance. Um, you know, of course, COVID hits and this, you can't be totally shocked by a case popping up. I mean, there's been outbreaks all over the league. Uh, the Mets spent literally all week in Miami. Um, you know, of course they've been doing their thing and by all accounts, they've been doing it safely doing their own little bubble, but, um, you know, these things will happen just got to hope that it's contained. Got to hope that, uh, any affected parties are, you know, recover quickly, but, um, yeah. on the field, you have to kind of assume that, um, the Mets kind of have to find a way to, to hold that momentum they had going. Right. Yeah. And I, I think they've done a really good job, uh, bringing up some of the younger guys and some of the prospects that really, I think gave them a little jolt of excitement and a little momentum you know, after, you know, some distractions, let's face it, you know, you know, uh, Cespedes deciding to opt out and then uh, Stroman and then, of course, the pitching staff with all the injuries. I think they needed that boost. And I think, you know, when you have a solid team, all you need is a little spark. And I think they're starting to get that spark from some of these younger, exciting guys that have that light, you know, maybe a little chip on their shoulder that they've been getting overlooked a little bit as prospects in the past and they have a little something to prove and they're lighting a fire under some other guys asses. I don't know if I could curse, but I'm sorry. Um, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> I won't say anything worse than that. I promise. But yeah. Oh, that, that's honestly, the way I look at feel it. free, bro. <laughs> no. And, and you know, and, and you know, you could be talking about a number of guys. You could be talking yeah. about Luis Guillorme. You could be talking about yep. Dom Smith. You could be talking yeah. about Andre Jimenez. I mean, oh, yeah. these are guys that, um, you know, they're stepping up. Next man up mentality is a beautiful thing. Yes, yes. And that always, me being a former player, that always put pressure on me when I had an established job. If I wasn't performing, that guy behind me is, you know, knocking at the door. I got to really step up my game. And that really does have an impact on, on some of the players that may have been slumping and stuff like that. You'll see, like, some of that energy – will really light a fire and you'll start to see teams come together around that. I think that really will drive them forward to carry them forward. Of course, this was before we heard about the COVID case, who knows how that's going to impact them now. Uh, but that was starting to, I think we were starting to see some, some of those things come to fruition where 
you know, those those players that have that chip are really going to, you know, have an impact, which is awesome to see. Oh, for sure. And, you know, guys nipping at each other's heels, like internal yes. competition, that breeds excellence. We've seen that in, in 100%. sports. 100%. We've seen it in the in the workplace. You know, if everyone's kind of trying to outdo each other, you get you get a lot of production. And, like, look at Ahmed Rosario, who was slumping yeah. very, very bad. Yeah. Um, he had to have heard the whispers about Jimenez, um, you know, and it's not even a whisper. It, it's a clear cut. You know, this is the guy. This is the next in line for your position. And he's out playing you. And then he goes out and has a three hit night. And, you know, it's very good to see. And you just got to hope they can kind of regain that momentum once um, once they yeah. pick back up, which hopefully will be this weekend. But you can't really count on that. Yeah. Him Jimenez was one of the best kept secrets, I think, because Rosario was really taking a lot of that spotlight for so long. And it was no secret, I think, even back when I was still writing at MMO. I saw a lot of holes in Rosario's game and in his offensive game particularly. And and the thing with prospects that have so much talent and ability like that is it doesn't so much get overlooked, but their talent kind of overrides some of those holes or gaps in the game. And then, you know, kind of just, oh, they'll come around. They'll come around eventually. Well, eventually, you know, that time's going to come where you got to say, Hey, how much longer are we going to continue down this path? Especially when you have a guy like him and has playing as well as he did or he is, you know what I mean? Like it's very easy to, you know, kind of say, Hey, let, let's, you know, he'll come around, he'll come around. And I can picture scout saying that, don't worry. The tools are there. You know, he's going to come around. He'll come around. And eventually, you know, you do have to come around. Otherwise somebody else comes around. If that makes sense. Oh, definitely. I mean, for sure. And, you know, you look at a guy like Rosario, who's still 24. He'll be 25 this coming yep. off season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, there's weaknesses. And, and I'm sure you're talking yeah. about his aggressiveness. Um, I don't think he's drawn a walk yet this year still. Uh, yeah. I don't, I'm not I'm not sure about that. But, you know, <laughs> patience has never quite been his thing. And, we and that's that. that's um, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hopefully he comes around. But um, the pitching staff's been doing Okay, Corey Oswalt had a fine start, um, uh, taking the place of David Peterson, who's been outstanding. Hopefully, the league doesn't get a book on him too fast. Yeah, uh, Degrom, you know, he's always going to be Degrom, but uh, you know, the bullpen is what scares me. We kind of saw it on Wednesday night. Um, Diaz and Batanzas kind of both shit in the bed. It was, uh, it's concerning, and it was nice to see Conforto kind of you know bail everybody out in the ninth inning. But, um. You know, me and you have spoke about it privately. Like Edwin Diaz, yeah. his talent, his talent's through the roof. Right. But you just, you know, you, you're you're waiting for him to take that next step, and he's almost there. He had a very, very good first half of this month, and then you know, you have something like last night. Hopefully, you can keep on building. Yeah, and I and baseball is such a sport that relies on your confidence and the mental aspects of the game that I think that it's still in the back of his head and he's going to need to string together a a few really good appearances. I think before he starts to get that, that, that confidence back, like, and like, uh, I don't know why this popped in my head, but like days of thunder after like cold trickle crashes and he's scared, he doesn't want to get back in the car and he keeps, you know, he keeps losing races. Then all of a sudden one little thing gives him that confidence and he's back and he's, he's that guy again. Like that's what he needs. He needs a couple of really good outings to get that confidence back to like have confidence in that slider. That's nearly unhittable and throw it in any situation and have that confidence instead of, 
you know, have that fear of, oh, I can't go to my slider here. Let me go to my fastball. And then some guy sitting on it and cranks out of the park. And now all of a sudden you're safe situation. You're down by a run or, you know, they tie it up or something like that. You know, it's all about his confidence, I think, right now, because like you said, the skill is there. The talent's there. It's just, I think, with him, a little bit of confidence. And I think that'll come with a few more good outings. Yeah, and, and you know he was he was certainly performing better. You just gotta hope that the setback on Wednesday night doesn't affect him long term. Yeah. And you know with a fragile, um, a fragile psyche that you know uh, something like that could be detrimental. But you know, yeah. I it almost feels like his stuff is almost too good for his uh, baseball maturity level. And I'm not talking like maturity, maturity. Like yeah. you know when you have a when you have a, a four seamer that moves like a two seamer. Um, you kind of got to harness that. And I think he's going to get there. And I think he had it for a while and now he's getting better and he's kind of got to adjust to that. And, um, you know, we see flashes and like you said, the slider is pretty much unhittable. It's one of the nastiest pitches in baseball, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you just got to hope that uh, maybe the break will be good for him. However long this little break is, but, uh, two and a half games out. 34 yeah. to play, man. This right is a there. this is a team that's right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're coming together wow. at the right time. And, you know, it was easy to get discouraged at the beginning, especially in a short season. But the play like the players are there. The pitching staff, I mean, the injuries and and the bullpen, they you know, you get a little nervous when you see that because the teams really was our our pitching staff is really what we brag about, you know. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, the offense is nothing it, it, it's 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 solid. And as long as you get offensive output, you could deal with some, you know, some, I don't want to say mediocre, but you don't need outstanding pitching. Let's put it that way. You just need get me to my bullpen and then you need the bullpen to come through as long as these guys are hitting. When they're not hitting, though, that's when we're going to have have uh, issues, I think. Yeah. And hopefully the bullpen's deep enough that they can withstand the loss of Seth Lugo, who's moving into the rotation. He was supposed to pitch on Thursday night as a, I guess, as an opener type yep. uh, situation. Um, you know, hopefully they're deep enough, but like you said, you need everybody kind of uh, pitching to let's say career median averages. <laughs> Cause uh, th- this group is just too good. And that goes across the board. And yep. you know, if everyone in this lineup is hitting this team scoring nine runs a night, like it, it, they could do it easily. Yeah, I agree. And I think like when you're in a situation like this, when the pitching staff, like all the injuries and all stuff, like, you know, some people love the opener idea, hate the opener idea, you know, all that stuff. Like, I think when you have situations like this where you're trying to piece together a staff, some guys are pitching good, some aren't, some are getting hurt. Like, it's okay to almost try to experiment a little and see what works because right now it's about let's win as many games as we can in this short period of time. I don't think anything should be said, oh, we can't do that because you know, that's never been done before. I think in a season like this where let's take advantage of the situation, let's try some things out and see if this works because, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, we're there's only 30 games left and let's go for it. If, if we're going to go for it in any year and try something different, this should be the year that you're, you're trying it, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Most definitely. And, and, if, and if Matt's can be a long relief swingman or even, you know, with his stuff, he could probably go back in too and, and be very effective. So, yeah. um, yeah, you kind of got to explore all your options and I, and I hope, yeah. I, I feel like Rojas has a good feel for his roster and, um, I, I trust his decision-making. I think he's done an okay job so far. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I mean, I think 
I mean, keeping it together and keeping this team together when, like I said, all those distractions were happening because they were distractions, um, you know, and, and Alonzo didn't come out, you know, with that same um, momentum. And he was, you could see him getting down on himself during games and just being able to hold it together and, 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 and keep this team within two and a half games up through now, I think is, you know, you can't complain. You really can't. You can't. Oh, exactly. And, and they, like you said before, they're, they were getting hot at the, at the, at, well, a, a right time um, when things are still yeah. tight, you know, I, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you reel off six or seven in a row, boom, you could be in first place in this division. Yeah. And uh, before you know it, you know, there's a, a dozen or so games left. So yeah, uh, yeah uh, you, you gotta, I guess, expect that there's going to be double headers coming up. There's guys are going to have to step up and uh, you know, hopefully that'll, uh, <laughs> Everything falls into place, but without the Mets, uh, Mitch, I'm going to be lost this weekend, and that's where you come in, my friend. Everybody, Mitch runs. Um, they're called group breaks. Of course, we're talking about baseball cards, mostly baseball cards, but sports yeah. cards in general. Uh, Mitch, go ahead and explain to us what what you do, because you probably do a much better job of explaining it than I do. I usually just uh, <laughs> I'm there to watch. All right, so a gr- group break is basically. Um, as, you know, let's go back in time a little real quick, Tim. So back in the day when we were 12, 13, we'd run down to the store. We'd go, we'd buy a pack, two packs. If you're lucky, you know, you got maybe a whole hobby box full of cards. You ripped it open and, you know, all that good stuff. What a what a break does is it's almost like a community. So I like to think of it as a community. It gives you entertainment, obviously, as well as it gives you a chance to get these collectible cards and rather than buy or you know shell out money for a whole box a whole case uh when you're really only looking for specific players or specific teams like for you let's say me and you collect the mets right um i could go and just buy the mets out of these case breaks and you know as we know the mets um don't get as much love in the hobby industry as they probably should so the mets are usually a very affordable team so rather than you know, try to buy a whole box or a whole case and then maybe get a, a handful of Mets cards. Um, now I'm just getting strictly Mets cards. So it really gives somebody an opportunity to get some cards that they may or not have had a chance to get in the, you know, uh, on their own. And you do this group break mentality where you're in the chat room, it's on YouTube. And I mean, unless I, I it really, what I'm probably saying isn't even doing it justice. I love them. You know, that's why I decided to start actually hosting my own um, because I love just the community, the chat that goes on while these cards are opening. And it's just, it's, it's just pleasant. It's, it's really fun. I mean, obviously there's some situations where it's not pleasant, but for the most part, it's a lot of fun and it could be really uh, pleasant. But um, sports cards, as you know, right now is absolutely booming like I've never seen before. Um, so I am I, I'm always happy to, you know, extend a hand, you know, and and get people back into the hobby as I did. You know, I reached out to you, a couple others that I that I knew that were dabbling into the hobby like anything. I, I just love the camaraderie and, and bringing people in. And, and it's just so much fun. It really is. Oh, it's a blast. And like for someone, for, for, you know, people of certain age, myself, you included, yeah. um, 
like you said, like this is something that we did as kids. Uh, yeah. You know, big shout out to Frank at 109 Collectibles. The store is no longer there, but I hope Frank's still around. But uh, yeah, you know, the first, you know, 20 bucks you got from shoveling snow, you go right to the collectible yes. shop. You go and open yeah. up, you know, 93 tops finest, those yeah. gorgeous freaking cards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, as you grow older, you grow out of it. At least I did. Um, through my teens, I collected. But, you know, we all fall off. Uh, you know, I, I would say probably 2016, 2017. Um, you know, picked up a couple of packs at Walmart or something. And my daughter was still, oh, I don't know, seven, six, seven years old at the time. And she took a liking to it. But she, and she, my oldest really isn't into baseball or into sports for in general. But um, my youngest takes a liking to it. And it might just be to, you know, appease me. And that's cool, too. I'm happy that she's uh, <laughs> digging my interests. But, um, you know, she kind of has an eye for it. And she's like, ooh, that's a cool card. And I'm like, you are right. This is a cool card. So, you know, we kind of built from there. And now I'm just full-blown collector again. I'm buyer seller i'm having a blast and um there's a certain nostalgia to it that's just yes overwhelming at times like you know ripping a pack open still makes me feel like a fucking 10 year old and it's great yeah yeah and and like you were saying like the with the way this market is now it, it's never bigger and i think a lot of it does have to do with all the shit that's going on in the world right now like people want that that joy of being a kid again almost you know what i mean i think that because Everything would go against the idea that the sports card industry would be booming and absolutely booming during this time between probably April and now. Like, I've never seen it hotter. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, when, when people are, you know, we unemployed or, you know, out of work or on, you know, whatever it may be. Like, people are, are not in the best financial situations right now, yet. I've never seen people spending more on cards before. And it almost makes you like scratch your head and wonder why, like it, it almost defies logic because I would, you know, any card expert or sports card quote unquote expert that you listen to would tell you whenever the economy is on a downturn, a lot of things, the first thing that most people sell is their cards because they could get quick cash really fast for them and, and put it in their pocket. It's the complete opposite right now. People are actually, buying and then reselling and buying it's 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 a flippers market right now but also the collectors are getting um are taking advantage of it because now they have more options of what's because the flippers are selling so much now they have more options of you know all these great cards that they didn't have before so it's like really almost like it's beyond belief for me to see what's happening i love it don't, don't get me wrong but i really do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like it's a distraction. It really is a distraction for what's going on. There was no sports, obviously, for a few months. And it was a distraction. And people were, you know, being reminded of when they were a kid. And they were opening these cards again, these great cards. I mean, I, that's what I think. I, I can't put my finger on why it would be exploding right now. Can you? Like, it doesn't it defy logic when you think well, about it? Like, not necessarily. I mean, uh, you got to look at it. Uh, the way I look at this buyer-seller market is... It's like a stock market because you can track these sales. There's websites to track eBay, eBay sales. Yep. I mean, and it ties directly to a player's performance. And, and baseball is a little tricky because, you know, you're Jeff McNeil who has a career three something average. Um, he's not going to get the same type of uh, type of love as a, you know, a, a rookie 
with a lot of potential. Like, yeah. all right, so let's let's take a Luis Robert or a Kyle Lewis or a, even a Gavin Lux, who I, I like. I know you're not a big fan, but I, I do like Gavin Lux a lot. I think he's going to be a hell of a player. But, um, you know, you have these guys who's – we'll stick to Robert and Lewis for now. But, you know, these guys' cards are, are pretty much like gold right now. Um, you have established players not named Trout, and, uh, you know, you're lucky to get $10 for it. It's just – it's a yeah. wild market, but the um, – you know, the potential to, to find something that's worth a couple of thousand dollars is, uh, is always out there. It's just, it's the, it's the way of the market. And yeah, I wish I had a better grasp on it. I'm kind of just enjoying myself right now, but I mean, you've been doing this for years and you expand into all different sports, right? Yeah. The, uh, the basketball is obviously the hottest market because it's more of a global market. You know, you had, you could, you could obviously sell cards to, um, people are overseas where basketball is very popular. The NBA is very, very popular in Europe. We have a lot of European players in the NBA and, and in, uh, Asian market, it's very popular as well. So you open up a whole new, you know, revenue stream. If you're selling cards, um, as long as you're shipping globally, you know, you could take advantage of all that. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, like I, to me, it, it's one of those situations where, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's just kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. And I, I get what you're saying about it's the thrill of, you know, opening up that pack of cards and maybe getting a card worth a thousand, two thousand $2,000, but it just the, the sheer volume of sales going back and forth. <clears throat> I don't know what to think anymore. Like it, it, you know, because like I said, we've always been taught that's the first thing to go when, you know, the market's down, people sell their cards first. So that's when a lot of people take advantage of that and buy and, and stock up. But, uh, I haven't seen that really this time around. So, um, it's kind of going against the grain, but it's still great. Yeah. I guess everyone sees their own value and stuff. Like look at, um, look at a Lewis Robert who, you know, you, you can have a, it's maybe what, like a $20 rookie card right now, but, you know, for someone, it's like, oh, you know what? I, I'm going to go ahead and move this. But someone else looking at it, you know, oh, wow, well, this guy could turn into a, a Mike Trout and this card's going to be worth a few thousand dollars in 10 years. Yep. It, it's really it's it's all in the, in the eye of the beholder. It's a, um, it's just it's a really cool time to be back in it because everyone's just has their own agenda, I guess you could say. And yeah, um, that- everyone's positive for the most part. Yeah, there are real freaking schmucks out there, but um. Really, I mean, you go on to like it's hobby Twitter if you guys want to look around. Uh, you, you know, you poke around and you see a lot of love. There's a lot of trust. Um, very reputable buyers, reputable sellers. It, it's um, it's an exciting time to be back into the cards, and uh, it, it's it's just it's great. <laughs> yeah, really, there's yeah. nothing else to say. And for you know it. what's it's exciting so this year? I'm loving it because we're seeing so many prospects get called up. Yeah. And oh, I, I, I don't think it's been a better time with some of the young talent in baseball coming up and we're getting to see these guys maybe sooner than usual. Um, and it's just been awesome to see some of these guys that, you know, they quote unquote call prospecting for, you know, some of the listeners that may not be, um, you know, into the lingo with the hobby industry, but prospectors basically, you know, stockpile prospects early in their, um, Early in their careers, you'll get your, they have a a first Bowman card. So the first Bowman card usually comes out while they're in the minor leagues and it really could come out anytime. 
um, any time, really, as long as they've generally had some, I believe, some some action at the professional level, although Jason Dominguez kind of um, he hasn't, but he still has a card. But um, they really can come out at any time that they're in the minors. And that's like the creme de la creme of the baseball player. Um, I'm sorry, there's some dogs barking. I'm sitting outside. Oh, that's OK. Uh, <laughs> But uh, that's really the card that most collectors hold as like, you know, the I don't want to call it a rookie card because it's really not because that's where it gets confusing. Listen, I have a lot of friends that love baseball, but they don't they won't collect baseball cards because they consider it too confusing because there's first Bowman's there's prospect cards. Then there's the rookie cards, and then there's flagship cards. Like you love your flagship, Timmy. Love and, my uh, flagship. Yeah, you love your flagship, right? But like. One of my good friends, Quarantine Steve, who used to do the, uh, you know, the podcast with me, jumps on uh, the breaks every once in a while. Um, yeah. He doesn't touch hey, baseball Steve. cards. No, he, <laughs> he doesn't touch baseball cards because, you know, he, he'd prefer football and basketball where, hey, I know this is the rookie. I know this year is the rookie year. It's clear cut. I don't have to, you know, it gets confusing for some people and it could be overwhelming. But I think, like, as long as you realize, hey, as long as it's first Bowman, and it's signed. It doesn't always have to be signed. That's usually the card you want to look for. And if you do your homework, it's not crazy. But yeah, I, I just I love the fact that all these prospects are getting called up, and even some that you know maybe getting overlooked in the past, like Jimenez, if for example, like his cards are starting to really move and and oh, increase value. Off, yeah. yeah, and and this is a guy that not only was. He was ignored by the hobby industry. Jeff McNeil, another one. I could talk about Mets all day about how they get ignored in the hobby industry. It's just one of Look those. Look at Jacob Brom. Yeah. Oh, that's that. If 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 anyone wanted to start collecting right now, that would be the. And you're a Met fan, and you want to get out there, and you say, "Hey, I want to give this a shot." I would just go start collecting Jacob Degrom because there you could get them relatively. They're affordable. He's extremely affordable. He's on pace to be a hall uh, a hall of fame pitcher. You know what I mean? Like if, if he hasn't locked it up already. So I mean, what better pitcher? I'm not big on collecting pitchers, but if I'm going to collect a pitcher, he's the type of pitcher that I'm going to end up collecting. And you could get his cards relatively cheap. The problem is, what are you looking for? Are you just trying to collect for over time, or do you want something that's going to gain a significant amount of value? I don't know if there's a ton of value there where it's going to go up significantly, but that's a fun guy to collect because you know, he's going to, you know, he, he's, I mean, if, when I think New York Mets, that's who I think of, you know what I mean? So if that's the guy I would go for to collect and one day his cards will go up in value. I don't know how much, but they will because he's a lot of pitchers get ignored. And then usually once they retire, become hall of famers, then, um, then you see their stuff go up a little bit more in value, but, um, the hitters and the hitting prospects is generally where the big bucks are at. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at a Mike Trout rookie card, um, and we're, we're going to talk about grading just very briefly. Um, PSA and BGS, who's Beckett, if anyone of a certain age remembers the old Beckett magazines, it's where you'd get all your prices for your cards. Uh, they have the grading system. I'm not going to get into the, the which side is which because we'll be here for hours. But uh, if you have a top-graded Mike Trout rookie card, you know, that's a ten twenty thousand dollar card, probably at, at the basement right now. Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, you could see Acuna's getting to that level um, 
pretty rapidly. A lot of his cards, um, you could see, I could see Soto's moving in that direction very soon. Soto was one of the most undervalued guys. I think he's starting to catch up right now um, because of the way he's been playing and uh, Acuna has been out. I think he's starting to catch up and starting to get more love in the hobby industry, but he's always been like second tier to, to Acuna. And I've always been like, I've been on Soto because I'm like, there's only going to be a matter of time. He's already won a world series. He's what, what he just turned 21. Right. Uh, or he's yeah. turned 20, 21, I, like yeah, literally one, I believe. Yeah. So he's already got a world series. I mean, he's got so much talent and ability like these guys. They're, they're all going to be in that realm. If they stay on this trajectory of not just trout trout started it. trout is who we have to thank for what we see right now. Pretty much um, in the industry it's, it's the trout cards. Um, and now everyone's looking for the next Mike trout. Um, cause they want to retire <laughs> with, yeah. with, with one of these cards one day, like, uh, so many others that, that probably have in the past. But the funny thing about trout was he wasn't this like huge prospect when people were gr- getting these cards. So uh, some people still find them in their commons boxes, believe it or mm-hmm. not, because when he was coming up in 2009, 2010, 2011, when he had prospect cards and rookie cards, I mean, once he became a rookie, obviously people knew who he was. But before that, it wasn't like when the Angels drafted him that, you know, Mike Trout didn't exist then. So people weren't like, oh, this could be a hundred thousand dollar card one day, if that makes sense. They're like, oh, this is a prospect. He was drafted by the Angels. But, you know, back then it was Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper's world. And we were all living in it, you know. So the Trout's kind of didn't really they just kind of went into a commons box for a lot of people they didn't know who mike trout was a lot of times um because everyone was chasing you know the bigger guys the bigger name guys at the time but now it's like everyone's looking for that next mike trout and uh that was a lesson to be learned and i'll tell you and tell all collectors till i'm blue in the face like i look for those guys that are kind of under the radar middle of the pack and you look for guys that are just gonna you know, be really good major league players. Um, and you'll, you'll do fine. It'll be fun to collect them and, and watch how they progress through their career and watch the values go up and down. If you're, you know, like Timmy compared to the stock market, you really could see the values go up and down as a player performs from day to day. And, and you really see it in the basketball. There's huge swings in the basketball world. I know this is a baseball. We're talking Mets and baseball, but oh, go for it! No, no, no. But dude, in basketball, not, the swings. Episode. Go for it. The swings are just. I mean, you got guys that are sixth man, seventh man off the bench that'll come in and drop thirty on a whim, and then his cards are through the roof for a week or two. Bowl ball is is the perfect example of it. The most recent, the rookie for the Nuggets, he had a few That's good Manu games. That's Manu son, right? Yes, and he had a few decent games in the uh, the bubble. Not even the bubble. When they did, well, it was the bubble, but it was when they did their preseason before the bubble started a couple of games, and they showed yeah. highlights of what he was doing. His cards went through the roof, and the guy's not even getting any PT now. And now it's, you know, it, that's how quick it happens in the basketball world. Baseball takes a little bit more time, and um, for the most part, it would take years for guys to, like, five years down the line now it's happening within like five months six months so even sooner in baseball now that these guys are getting to the major league level quicker and they're they're performing and it's just fun i I, there's no other way to put it timmy it's just fun 
it's nothing but fun, and it's and it's like pure fun. And yeah, sure, there's a little bit of risk involved, and yeah. I, I don't advise anyone playing with more. You know, don't you know play with house money or try to play with house money. Yes. Um, you know, you have a guy. Look at Kyle Lewis for the Mariners, who's having an outstanding 2020 season. Um, you know, before the season started, you couldn't sell his cards. But I had no. I had to go through my boxes to find yeah. Kyle Lewis's because I didn't put him aside. I just put him in my rookie box. And and, here, um, you know. and here's this is this is the reason why because a lot of the collectors, me included, a lot of times you go by that top 100 list when you're looking at prospects, and because you know that's where the money is. And then if you know Kyle Lewis was always a top prospect for the Mariners, but once a guy goes down to like three four on a team's list, they go into that box. You know what I mean? And it's like okay, yeah. I'll keep this here, and then you forget you have it, and then it's like one day you find it. And you're like, oh wow, look, I have a bunch of Kyle Lewis. Like we just, I just showed you the pictures the other day. At a bunch <laughs> I was of gonna say. prospect cards and a shoebox under my bed, because I just put them. I was, I was sorting out cards and I put Madrigals, Luis Roberts, in a box and a shoebox under my bed, and I just totally forgot I put them there. And sure enough, I would, I was under my bed and I was like, oh, what's in this box? I open it up and and there's well about ten Luis Roberts in there. It was that just a nice, one of those things. That's a, that's a nice little rainy day yeah. fund, huh? Yeah, it's it's yeah. like you see people say that all the time on Twitter. You're like, you didn't find it. I am, yeah, you. I see <laughs> it now. I get it. I'm always like skeptical if they really found it or not. Well, it happened to me, so I believe it now. So, oh, dude, I had my stuff. All right, so um, as many of you know, I live on Long Island. I had all the cards that I saved from when I was a kid. It wasn't a ton. It was like a um. Like a file box, maybe. But there was some cool stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff. From, yeah, it was the wax era. It's called the junk wax era because everything was just overproduced, mass-produced, and it lost all its value. But, um, you know, your run-of-the-mill Barry Bonds, your Ken Griffey's. I had a whole Ken Griffey shoebox. It was awesome. Anyway, That's so cool. I put it all I put it all away. Um, Hurricane Irene, we had water in the basement. So I was sure to put it all the way up on the top shelf in the basement. I should have taken it out of the basement because Hurricane Sandy hit the next year and I lost all my stuff, <laughs> everything. Oh. It was underwater. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I hadn't collected in a few years, but it was always like, oh, you know what? I'll go back in that box one day and maybe it'll be worth something. And it's more sentimental than anything else. But collecting now, it's um, and especially being able to share it with Lily. Uh, Lily's my youngest. Um, it's fun, you know. Kayla just rolls her eyes at me, and she's she's gonna be sixteen in a couple of months, so you know that's par for the course. But she's like, "Hey, you're fucking baseball cards? Are you selling cardboard?" I said, "Yes, honey. I'm actually turning cardboard into money, and uh, I, I'm a magician, but I can't take that. You're 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 magic, Mitch. You know, you're you got the magician thing kind of locked up." Oh man, don't don't put that pressure on me, Timmy. Oh, stop. You've pulled me some fire, man. All right. I'm gonna fill everybody in on my series two escapades. Mitch got a full case of top series two 2020. Uh I drew the white socks, and sometimes you do random breaks, so you have 30 people come in, or some people buy multiple spots, and everyone gets a random team, and you get that team. I got the white socks. I got like a, a treasure trove of Lewis Robert cards. I already sold a couple of them, but I have them all stashed away. You're going to grade them all. Mitch, you pull absolute fire. And there's, there's no denying that. I hate to build you up because, um, you know, shit happens, but you really do. Uh, more often than not, you pull something insane. Breaking is a lot like being a relief pitcher. It's all about confidence, baby. Yeah. But the confidence that I'm going to pull monsters. I don't think about pulling, uh, you know, skunking people. I, I, 
I go in there, you know, with a, with the right mindset. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking, but no, it, you know, I, I firmly believe that like when you have a positive outlook and, and you're having fun, good things are going to happen. And I try to make sure that when I do do these live streams, even if something shitty happened there in the day, like I put that aside and I'm there to have fun and release that, you know, whatever, you know, and I want to make sure that you guys who are, are there to not only, you know, get some cards, but maybe have some fun and be a little entertained and chat and talk. Like that's what it's all about. I love doing it. I really do. And, um, I never thought I would like doing it, but you know, after a year of people nudging me to do it, you know, I, I have to say like the, the work from home scenarios and, and some of this quarantine gave me the time, uh, to actually say, Hey, you know what? Maybe now's a good time to, to give it a shot. And it's been a lot of fun. I've only been doing it for like two months, but, um, I think we have a pretty good community built up so far and hopefully it's going to keep growing. Oh, I think that's uh, certainly on the horizon because, like you said, it's just it's too much fun. And, and you know, shitty boxes are bound to happen. But even on a shitty box, like, we always still have fun. And even if I'm not, like, in the break, I'll just come there and hang out because, like you said, the community's yeah. fun. You have your regulars there. Hey, Bill. Bill always takes Bill always takes a minute to say hi to the entire chat. So let's take yeah. a minute to say hi to Bill. Hi, Bill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill's a Mets fan. Hopefully Bill listens. It's funny how you get to know people you know, without actually knowing them just from, yeah. you know, you, you could easily pick up on people's personalities and the type just from being in that online community, as simple as a YouTube chat. Like it's, it's just amazing to me how, how people could come together and, and have fun. And like you said, even when it's a bad box, I always try to find something to make it fun and, and worth everyone's while, um, whether it be like a giveaway, a throw in, or just, you know, cracking some jokes, trying to keep it loose, drinking some beer, whatever it may be. <laughs> the um, sip and rip. The patented yeah, sip and we're rip. Have, we have some fun, you know. That's what it's all about. That's what it should be about. It should be about having fun. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. And that goes for everything. Yeah. But uh, I think we've uh, we've touched on all our bases, man. This was a lot of fun. That's it? That's yeah. All? That's it. We, we're, we're a half hour show, man. We're over a half hour, I think. We are. We're over a half hour. That's all right. Well, maybe we'll do a part two uh, soon, and we can talk about some other stuff. Like we talk about some prospects where uh, we got our eyes on. We didn't get to really oh, get into a lot of that. You know stuff. what? I do. I have a little. You, you, I'm sure everyone's familiar with the game buy buy or sell. If you remember, like the old like part yeah, yeah. interruptions and stuff from yeah. uh, from ESPN, which is still on. I just haven't watched it in a long time. Um, so we're gonna play a little buy and sell. That's what we're gonna close with. Oh, I like it. All yeah. right, and, and and it kind of applies because it's more than just a oh I'm buying this or I'm selling that. You're literally buying or selling these rookie cards. So okay, you're buying. Can I, can I say hold? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, what well, are we doing? Uh, all right. I don't so we we're, we're, we're going to go buy, buy it's going to either you're going to be hold or sell. So let's scrap buy. We're going to go hold or sell just so there's no confusion. Okay. All right. All right. So right off the bat, and you know, just because this guy is good, you have to take into consideration whether his value is going to come back down. So we're going to take it from the top. Lewis Robert, holding or selling? I am stockpiling. And holding <laughs> because I, I do think, I, I think, I think that it's hard to be ignored when you put up the kind of stats he did in the minor leagues last year. And yet I still 
you know, Jordan Alvarez was a bigger name last year heading, well, obviously because whoever gets called up is obviously the guy that, that gets all the buzz. Um, but I would hold, um, it depends. See, I'm a little, I'm a little, I would, I would still hold. I, I, I still think he's going to, I still think if he has a shot at rookie of the year and all that good stuff, and let's see if the white Sox go in the playoffs and what he could do there. Like I would be holding right now. I wouldn't be selling unless of course, you want to buy a car or something like that and you can get a quick buck. <laughs> Otherwise I'm, I'm holding. All right. I mean, that's, that's smart considering the potential he has. I, I think I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump over. We're going to jump to the Mets. We're not, okay. it's not even a rookie. This is, um, this is Jeff McNeil. This is a guy who um, has the hit tool is starting to show power tool and his cards are, you know, next to that. They cost next to nothing. Um, not next to nothing. There are some very expensive Jeff McNeil cards out there, but he's not a, a power seller. Are you buying low and holding on Jeff McNeil, or are you if you get something no, nice, you moving it off? No, I would I would hold on him because, like you said, his values aren't where they should be right now. So if I'm going to sell any McNeil cards, I I'm not going to get what I think he's worth. So holding on to a Jeff McNeil card wouldn't wouldn't um, wouldn't be too much of a risk. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, I think that that's a smart hold and even a buy right now to buy uh, Jeff McNeil cards. I, I, I agree with you there. As I look yeah. at my my rainbow of Jeff McNeil refractors, uh, yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> All right, let's jump into prospects. The hottest yeah. prospect of 2020, Jason Dominguez from the Yankees, whose cards were, you could literally buy a car with some of his cards out of Bowman this year. Um, he hasn't played, a, and I keep in mind, he hasn't played a professional ball game yet. Yeah. Um, are you buy, Are you holding or selling on Jason Dominguez? And and here's what I do, and I'll give you my strategy for guys like uh, Jason Dominguez, who's a really hot prospect, and we haven't even seen him play yet. What I do with guys like that is I sell off their biggest cards. Like, if I get any autograph or refractor autograph or, or low-numbered card of his um, autographs, I'm selling it, and I'm buying that card, like you just said, or I'm... I'm I'm stashing away or, or whatever, or, or I'm buying more cards. I am holding his non-autograph cards because those will go up tremendously in value if he does become the next, let's say, uh, Yankee superstar. Those cards right now, which you could get probably between 10 and $30, um, by selling it now, you're not going to get, if I sell it now for $30, i am not going to get like, you know, you're, you're not breaking the bank. But if I hold it, maybe, you know, like, like I used the Luis Robert um, uh, graded card that, you know, I, I, I just picked up on check out my cards. I, it's a base. Yeah. It's his base chrome first Bowman card. No autograph, nothing special about it. It is graded a 10, which is a hard grade to come by. But even if you don't have a grade in a 10, now that card sells anywhere from raw, which means ungraded, from 85 to $100. So... Think about that return on investment for waiting a couple of years. I could sell that card now, a Jason Dominguez, you know, base card for maybe 25 bucks, let's say on average, or mm. I could hang on to it. And then maybe one day it's worth a hundred. And then if I grade it, it grades higher, now you're talking a thousand. Like, yeah, that, that's that's where I would be. So I'd hold his non-autograph base stuff. Um, and I would sell high right now while it's hot, his other stuff. 
and 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 you can't look back because he may turn out that may turn out to be a, a kick-ass card one day but take the money now and and run with that because the risk is too much of him not making it to the major league so i'm i'm or becoming that next superstar so i'm willing to hold on to the base cards and take that risk but not one of the big autographs all right so um i'm going to take my own personal experience into the next one um okay fernando tatis who's having just uh, uh, absolutely, he had a great season last year before he got hurt, yep. but he's having a breakout, you know, just historic little run right now that's, yep. uh, you know, just absolutely on fire. So I had two Fernando Tatis. They're called parallels. Um, they're numbered cards. They're low numbered. One was to uh, 150. The other one was just a short print negative refractor. So it's like a reverse negative, like an old photo negative. Yeah. I got them graded. They came back as BGS tens, which is extremely rare. Mitch told me um, that's the white. That's the uh, the the great white buffalo right there. The great white buffalo. You heard? I got two of them in the same order. That's the great white buffalo right there. Actually, yeah. uh, the black label is probably the great one, but t- t- tens are really hard to come by. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. So I got th- I got two tens. It's still the off season. Um, you know, he had a very nice run. There's still some buzz behind him. I sold my cards. I did very well on them, considering yeah. for two pieces of cardboard, I did very, very well on them. Yep. Uh, if I kept those two cards, I'd probably be sitting on like $10,000 right now. Everyone, maybe, I'm, maybe you six. can't look back, Timmy. I told you. you I don't look, I don't look back, but what are you doing with Fernando Tatis? If you had, oh. if you had those cards, you getting that money, are you getting that money right now while his value is through the roof I, or you hold on to him hoping for more no see there's if if i needed that money if i need the money i, I would definitely sell don't get me wrong because i'm Tatis a father of two guy. daughters i always need yeah, the money yeah there you go so like if you need the money you sell right now because the time value ma- money says your money's worth more now than it would be in the future and you couldn't predict what was going to happen right now right you have a perfect storm of tatis of his performance right now of you know the way the market is right now i I had the same situation with you know luka Doncic cards you know i told you i probably paid off my freaking house with with the cards i sold back in february thinking hey it'll never get hotter than this let me move some of these higher end cards off now because if he does get an injury or he you know whatever happens i could get you know and now look at it like it's it's just crazy you can't look back i think still i some tatises i would Obviously, right now he's hot and he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. So right now, I would hold right now. But back when you sold it, I I mean, I would have sold because yeah. you're heading into the season. There's a lot of hype. That's a great card, and you know, I, I thought you got a great. I, I thought you got a, a great amount for those cards. So I, like oh, I said, I don't look well back. Yeah, yeah, don't look backwards. But yeah, right now, I mean, everything is Tatis crazy and. And every, you know, right now you could sell and break the bank, but now it's like, wow, what if he has another month like this? What if he's the MVP? Yeah. Where does it Where stop? Where does it end? So like I said, if you want to go buy that new car, you, you need to pay off some bills, whatever, go sell your Tatis now and take that money, but you can't look back. You got to say, Hey, I sold it. And, and I, you know, because you don't want to take the risk of him getting hurt tomorrow. Because that yeah. could happen. It could. Sure. And then, Look at Alvarez. And then Look at Alvarez in Houston. Exactly. I mean, everyone, I, I literally, when I heard Luis Robert with his wrist, like, I was like, I'm sitting on a stack that I even send to get graded yet. And 
he may be out for the rest. You know, you don't know what's going on. I'm thinking Griffey that year when he ran into the wall because I didn't see it happen. I just saw on Twitter, oh, Luis Robert hurt his wrist. He's coming out of the game. And I'm like, here we go. The wrist is not something you want to hurt. And I'm thinking Griffey back in the day because I was a big Griffey fan and what happened with his wrist. And oh. so, yeah, it can happen at any time. So, you, you know, you sell when you need the money. And, and if you want to, you know, cash out, you cash out because you don't want to take on that risk. Nobody, you just can't look back. You, you really can't because um, it could get painful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it could get very painful. Yeah, I'll keep you up at night. Um, yeah. Ronald Acuna, who started off real slow this year, um, he's on the injured list now. But, of course, you know, worlds and worlds of potential. Um. I, I also sold a Ronald Acuna card because it wasn't graded. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll put this number. I got $600 for a piece of fucking cardboard, people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say no to that, but um, what would you have done in my shoes? I'm curious. Uh, Acuna's, it, I, I, like I said, I would sell off. I have the same strategy with him as I do with, uh, like, a Jason Dominguez. I sell off those bigger cards that I could get a ton of money for. And I, I hang on to his first Bowman's or his uh, Tops updates, his Chrome's, stuff like that that's not autographed, where I think there's definitely – there, you won't get as much. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, the autographed cards and stuff like that are going to bring you more money at yeah. the end of the day, but there's so much more risk involved there. I'd rather take a $100 card that could turn into a $1,000 card, if that makes sense. And there's much less risk, and there's a lot more likelihood that that's going to happen. And uh, so I'm with you. I would sell that card when I could get the money for it, to be honest with you, and then try to reinvest it into cards like his Acuna first Bowman Chromes or his top updates that are going to slowly gain momentum over the years, especially if he turns into a player that we think he's going to turn into. So what I would do is I'd take those cards, I'd sell them, and then repurpose that funds, maybe take some of it, you know, stash to the side, stick in my pocket. Then the other half, I'd say, okay, I'm going to buy a couple of these other Acuna cards right now, and I'm going to hold on to them. Or you look for something that then you could flip again. That's the way to do it, I think, at, at, at the end of the day, if you're going to do it that way. But of course, everyone's financial situations are different. But I, I would have, I, I don't, I'm not mad at you for selling that. I'm never mad at anyone <laughs> for selling anything. Oh, I'm, I'm mad I'm at not, myself for selling stuff. But I'm not even mad at myself for selling the Acuna. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was a base flagship. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It was a short print. Um, for people who aren't familiar, Ronald Acuna's rookie card, the regular base one, has his bat up. He's in, I guess he's not completed his swing all the way yet. Yeah. His short print, the bat is down. He's completed his swing all the way it's down behind his shoulder. Uh, I had the one behind his shoulder, and apparently that's the one. And that's uh, yeah. that's the one. But you know what? I mean, I'm a Mets fan. Uh, I know how good Acuna is, and you know, I, I was fine with getting that much money for an ungraded card. The Tatis is it's a little tougher to swallow because I'm a big one. I'm a Padres fan. Everybody knows that as well as a Mets fan. And, and two, like you know. I just see so much. He's a, he's actually like, I'm actually a fan. Uh, it, it's, it's certainly, it's tough to, to get over, but yeah, we move past it. Luis Roberts, my guy now, fuck the wrist. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to pick that one guy that you're going to stand by. And oh, I got so many. I can't pick one. Yeah. That that's yeah. But you got to pick one. I think that you're really going to be like, all right, this is the guy that I'm, I'm, 
I'm not going to sell. If you, you could have one guy like that, I think, where it's like every card you get, you're like, I'm keeping that. I don't want to ever sell it. And yeah. uh, for me right now, it's Luis Robert. Also, Luis Garcia. So the yeah. two Luises are my two. If I, My big three buys right now, or I mean, Luis Gar- Garcia might be bumping up now since he's, but before the season, it was Luis Robert, Luis Garcia, and Dylan Carlson. Those are my three guys. And it's, it's, I mean, Carlson's not playing great right now, but we saw um, the tweets yesterday about how he's getting, I think it was 30% fewer fastballs than established major leaguers. And, you know, they attributed that to number one scouting reports, but also a, a shitload of respect for a guy that just came up and, you know, they're not giving him fastballs. And it, it has a lot to do with why he's struggling right now um, to make that adjustment. But I think he's got everything and he plays at a great market. The Cardinals market's a great market, a great team to collect for. Uh, I think it boosts value. Um, so Carlson was my guy. Luis Garcia is my guy. Luis Roberts, my guy. Uh, I love, I think Jimenez, I think if, if you're a Mets fan and you want to jump on, on somebody's cards, him, Jeff McNeil, I think that's good. I think Pete Alonso is what he is. I think his cards are relatively, um, I think they get the value they're supposed to, to be honest with you, because he doesn't play a premier position. Yeah. He's a, he's a thumper. I love that. He hits a ton of home runs and he's a great spark for the team and the face of the franchise and all that. But at the end of the day, like, I think his cards are where, where they should be. Maybe they could go up a little bit more in value here or there based on some of his performances. But I think they're they're relatively uh, priced correctly. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, so that that's my take. Like, those are the four guys, like, it, that are on my radar. Jimenez, Carlson, Luis Garcia, and, and Luis Robert. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, I, I kind of like looking at guys who I, you know, someone who caught my eye in the minors, um, you know, Nico Horner from the Cubs. Yeah. I, I really like his makeup as a player. I looked at his stats. I looked at his sway. I'm not an expert, but, you know, everything looks like he's a major league caliber player. Um, yeah. Chris, Christian Yelich, too. And he's, of course, a veteran and an MVP, yeah. but um, his cards are like stupid affordable. Uh, they you know, really are for his level of play. It's, yeah. And that just goes to show you the, the hobby. <laughs> The hobby is interesting because it's it's not always about finding out who the star player is going to be. It's about finding out who that guy is going to be that everyone rallies behind and stuff like that. And hobby wise, yeah. and it all, a lot of it has to do with where they're playing. I mean, the Brewers aren't the biggest market that don't get a ton of national airtime. You know, the White Sox are, are you know I know they have the Cubs and the White Sox there, but they're pretty you know they're pretty. They're they're national team. I want to say not not so much like um, you see a lot more White Sox games. I think and hear a lot more about the White Sox than you do about the Brewers uh, or, or some other teams. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And then the White Sox yeah. are in a in a big market, the, the Chicago market. So I think that has a lot to do with it in the hobby world. It's it's not only where they play. I'm sorry, not only how good they play, but also where they play comes into play <laughs> yeah i mean that's marketability and it's yeah. weird because you have mike trout as like the outlier who is right. like the most marketable player in the world but the league yeah. does nothing to market him but he still just outperforms everyone on the field and in the card hobby it's just it's wild it's it, it, the unpredictability of all this is um it's exciting it adds a little tinge of excitement it's fun 
Yeah, it definitely is. And and like I said, when you find that guy that, you know, you step, you know, almost like you're like, I'm going to start collecting their first Bowmans the first year they come out, you stock them up. And then to watch them grow and go through the minor leagues, that's the fun part about collecting baseball cards. Yeah. Um, it's watching them come up as prospects. And if you stay close to it, that's where the, the fun is, I think. Um, for for me anyway, that's that's where I get a lot of my enjoyment. It's like because you know, that's always been a hobby of mine is, you know, looking at prospects, analyzing prospects as well. So when I, I, I piece it all together, you know, the hobby knowledge, the baseball knowledge and piecing together who I think's gonna, you know, be the next, you know, player to break it into the major leagues, you know, that that's fun for me. So yeah, it's you know, like having it's inside not fun information. for everyone, but it's fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like exactly. it really is. It's like having um inside information to the markets or even just a detailed innate knowledge of the markets. Um, but kind of how the markets were, it's a, it's such a detailed process and such a detailed, um, it's just such a diverse criteria, I guess you could say for what all goes into it. But, uh, you know, we all try to get our grasp on it. Yeah. And baseball is a lot more steady than some of the other sports like basketball. (laughs) Volatile, just volatile. But volatile, it goes like by the bucket, by the hoop, <laughs> and in basketball, almost it feels like. But um, yeah, baseball, it, it's fun to collect, and uh, you know, I look forward to doing it. And my son hasn't really caught on yet. That's, but, um, and I don't know if he will because he's not leaning towards baseball at this point. He's more of a basketball slash soccer slash football fan. So, um, but he's at the age where like standing around on a baseball field is kind of boring. So I get it, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. maybe one day he'll come around, you know, um, and, and then, uh, join me in, in my endeavors, but they all, they all make fun of me. Like when a package comes in the mail, is it cards dad and stuff like, it's Oh, like, I get the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I get this. I probably, you probably get the same looks from your wife. Like, what are you going to do with all this shit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. It'll all, it'll all be gone. Give me a couple of days. Yeah. But uh, Mitch, I, I I do have to um I do have to cut us short because now it's yeah, dinner time. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm starting to get a little hungry. I don't know if you heard my yeah. stomach growl, but um. <laughs> dude, <laughs> but, this yeah. was so much fun. Yeah, it was. It was. I think um you know I'd I'd love to jump on again, like maybe once a month, and we could talk about prospects and who who we should be collecting based on you know how they're playing and stuff. I think that'd be kind of cool. But it, you know, it's your show. It's up to you. But uh, I'm just letting you know. You know, I'd love to come back on. And I loved uh, being on today. You're a great host and uh, had a lot of fun. Oh, dude, this was a, it's my pleasure. And this was definitely a blast and you will definitely be back. There's no question because um, I think everyone wants to know about what's going on with baseball cards. They see all the buzz. You can't miss it. If you're on Twitter, you really can't miss it. Even it it overlaps from hobby Twitter into your sports teams, Twitter. And it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's kind of everywhere now, even Facebook. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, where can everybody find you on, um, on social media, you and monster hits club? Uh, well, my Twitter is at first pitch Mitch. I know a lot of the MMO, uh, family probably already follows, but anyone who doesn't at first pitch Mitch, um, and on Instagram, we're at monster hits club. Excellent, man. Um, and of course the breaks are on YouTube at monster hits club, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Excellent. And we are recording Thursday night. Let's I. Th- I know you were hoping for a Thursday night rip, but uh, this show won't be out until after that possibly breaks. So um, I guess that's all for naught. Definitely keep updated because you can catch them a few nights a week at least.
Yeah, definitely. I try to get on three to four nights a week. So awesome. Awesome. All right, everyone. Um, you know, we're going to be on pause with, uh, with the Mets for a few days. Um, hopefully by Monday's episode, we'll have a better idea of when they're returning and, uh, you know, let's just, again, hope that everyone's safe and recovers soon and you know where to find us guys. Let's go Mets. Mitch. Thanks so much again, dude. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And, uh, let's go Mets guys. Later. All right. <laughs>